Welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from Western Idaho. It's a beautiful evening on a Wednesday night, and we're back again with you with the Idaho Catholic Podcast crew, and we have a special topic to share with you tonight. And we have the same crew as last week, and we have with us um, Nick Collins and Mike Roberts and John Allen. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. <laughs> you guys are so creative. I, I appreciate that. Um, anyway, we had a nice week with you last week, and we realized after we finished the half an hour that it was basically just banter. We didn't get into any topic at all. And, you know, Mike has really been preparing this topic to share with us for a couple of weeks now. And um, he shared really his it's thoughts. A bad joke. He's thought about this topic for, for so long and shared with us for so long that I kind of forget what we're talking about, Mike. So what, what is it that we're supposed to talk about tonight? Well, I was, actually we all were, not I, but we all were, <clears throat> this Sunday, we went to a class and attended this most amazing talk. I loved that talk. Yes. <laughs> and Life-changing. It was, it was called The Secrets of Something, Spiritual Life, Secrets Some, of the Spiritual something. Life. That that was and exactly it. The secret, <laughs> the secret. Not just no, not just had nothing to do with secret, navigating the but, spiritual journey or anything. It was just about no. secrets, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you're close, but no. <laughs> <laughs> not just one secret, like the secret, but secrets of the. Anyways, I'm belaboring this. <laughs> <laughs> so so thanks thanks for the well, handoff. Yeah. So it was. Uh, did you did you take anything away from the talk? You know, the, you know they say, like, when you hear something, I think you retain, like, the next day you retain 5% of what you hear, and then it goes down after that. You know, if you, if you write it down, I think you retain a little bit more. Anyways, so I didn't write anything down. I didn't get a handout. I didn't rehear it. Didn't pay attention. I I, you know, so <laughs> the one, the 5%... That I remember was talking about secrets of the this, this spiritual life. The, the thing I uh, stuck with me most about that talk was something, a term I'd never heard before called immature zeal. So what I got out of that is you, and the devil uses this as a tool against us. So, okay, we go to a men's conference and we just get pumped up. We hear four or five great speakers, we're, we're, we're motivated more like more than we've ever been since the last men's conference right and we get home and we're like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna change 99.9 percent of my life and become this most amazing i'm gonna become a saint and you know tomorrow and then tomorrow comes we stayed up too late the night before and we slept we so we sleep in we don't do that devotional we were going to do in the morning and then the rest of the day it just falls to pieces and then you're like i'm the same old dork i've always been i'm hopeless i'm a basket case and then we give in to despair um which is a sin so like hey the devil won like he wasn't even scared at all when you were going to that men's conference because he knew this was, this was going to happen so can and i ask so, a question here i'm not done just be quiet no okay. <laughs> No, no, please do. <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm I'm wondering, did was this from the talk, or are you describing me? Because I mean, that <laughs> that describes like last year for me. Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely buy into the, you know, the the impact that you know the men's conference 
was for me last year and, and the Catholic men's conference. I went to that last year and men in motion conference. And every time I come out of those things, I'd be so pumped up and, and really wanting to commit to doing differently to bettering my life. And it seemed like really quickly those things kind of fell apart. So, I mean, I know where I am, am now and I know what I've learned from it, but what did you take away in this? Well, something that this is so if you haven't guessed already, folks, this is a talk that Deacon Pat, our very own Deacon Pat, gave at adult ministry this Sunday. Happens right after nine o'clock mass (laughs) on Sunday every week. Every every week. week. And you don't need a ticket. You just show up after mass. You don't have to pre register. You just show up after mass. If you like to eat donuts, if you like to drink, mediocre at best coffee if you like to grow in your spiritual life then come to adult ministry and hang out and hang out with like 20 or 30 people right good Catholics are we down to that now I thought it was like a couple hundred oh I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to lie on on the air And if your rambunctious kids are your excuse for not attending, you're going to fit right in. So bring People them. bring their kids. Yeah. It, you, they bring their little twerps, and they're just running around the, the, in the, in, right in there. And so us. you get to laugh at other parents that have children younger than you. And hey, like, I guarantee I they're not louder than mine, so <laughs> bring them. And you know what? i got to say, it, I think it was last week. Um, so we're giving this talk, and people are being attentive. And and I see you know, Nick, Nick is in the back there, and his wife spreads out a little blanket, and they, they lay down on the blanket. And, and actually, that was such a compliment, I thought, that it's a very comfortable environment that you can make yourself comfortable and you don't feel judged and you can listen. And and there's something about, I think, when you have small kids, and, you know, my kids are grown. They're out of the house now, living their life. And I think there's, you know, some more the wisdom that comes in time. But I know I know when you have young kids and you think your kids are acting out or they're, they're being a distraction, you, you have to remind yourself that most people, not everybody, there's always some weird people out there, but um, most people will know that they've gone through this too. And actually, they're very forgiving, very acceptable, and they just want you to be part of their life. And having young kids around, that's life. That's life around us. And um, it's welcomed. I think a lot of people feel like, um, you know, that they're, maybe they're not welcome at mass sometimes with their kids if they're if they're being a little noisy. Now, if they're screaming like Mike's kids, then you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go to the cry room, <laughs> especially if I'm preaching, Mike. But um, <laughs> no. But for the most part, a little bit of noise. That's just life. So yeah. I, please, please be aware of that as well. So I cut somebody off. Go ahead, guys. Well, I want to hear from Nick. But what, what I was to finish my thought before I forget it is. Is we um, the immature uh, zeal? The, yeah, the immature zeal, and what 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 what? You know, is that the first time I've heard of it? And it, I've actually been around Pat now. For how how long have we have we known each other? Twelve three years. Twelve years, I think. No, <laughs> a couple <laughs> years at least. Three three years maybe. The jokes and are getting a little I, old, I've, huh? I've come to you before with like, hey, I'm so excited about this, and you've always like slowed in down in a very great, you know, not like popping a balloon but like kind of deflated it slowly (laughs) and and like god will bring that about in its right time mike you know you don't have to go try to take take the city for christ tomorrow you know god will show you the path and and so i but you didn't you you were saving this the term for it immature zeal until this sunday which 
But that's what that's where that whole thing comes from, you know. Let the Lord work these things out in your life at the right time. And I think of Abraham. How many years did he have this name change to father of nations with no children? The Lord worked that out in the right time. And hang on to the pro- you know, hang on to that promise, that excitement, that zeal that you get, but don't become despaired when it doesn't happen. And don't try to change too many things. Take it step by step. That's, that's where I take it. So, so let me set this up a little bit, and then I have some questions for Nick and John and Mike. But um, anyway, the, the talk was the the talk was it was called "Secrets of Navigating the Spiritual Journey," and I can take absolutely no credit for the talk. It was really based on a, a book called "The Fulfillment of All Desires." And I think many of you might have uh, read that before. It's a pretty famous book. It's a modern. Are we doing a book review here then? Yeah, we are. Okay, but, well. but I'm gonna I'm gonna fade really fast from it. <laughs> but anyway, that. The talk was really based on that, and what it what it uses is the doctors of the church, and quite a few of them, and they're sharing their wisdom, how to really navigate our spiritual journey. And what they do is in that book, and this is what the talk was really based on, is some of the traps that we have in our journey, our spiritual journey. And this is advice from the doctors of the church. And one of my favorite doctors of the church is uh, Saint Therese, um, Saint Teresa of Avila. Um, is one of my favorites and um, she's written a book the interior castle as well that's a I would recommend that book it's a wonderful book but she talks about a few things and one of them is um, these are these were traps for her and and you know we can really learn from from these doctors of the church she said one of them was um, really accepting poor advice and looking for advice in certain spiritual people in your life and even what one might call maybe some permissive or liberal priest. These are her words, not mine. And she went to a certain priest and got advice from that priest and she even knew that it wasn't the best advice and she shouldn't follow it, but it was from a priest. And we do this in our life with people that we admire or holy people in our life and because they said it's okay, we can do that. But what she said is she should have known because she even felt it in her heart that following that advice was not the right advice. So how many times does that happen in our life? But she also spoke about one of the traps is what Mike was talking about was this immature zeal. And it's when we get on fire for for God and we want to serve God and we, we're just we're out there and we're serving and serving and serving and and really it really is in line with the kind of the purgative stage in our life where we're purging the bad things from our life we know what's right and wrong and so the devil uses to trick us and he puts too many good things in our life and he just fills us up with so much that we lose really our balance in life has that ever happened it to you Nick or to you John in your life that that you maybe were I don't know the victim of immature zeal in your life. Oh uh, yeah, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> you got to twist my arm to speak around here, but uh, I don't know that I've ever experienced the um, that side of immature zeal. And I don't even know if what I've experienced would be classified as immature zeal, but uh, immature sure fits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess what I what I th- think of and whether it's in contrast or a parallel to this is uh, times in my life where uh, I felt like I knew it all or had it all and didn't need 
to know more because of my faith. And part of that was, um, I, I think a lot about when I was younger and my mother was the religious director at our parish. And so other kids would come to me with questions and stuff. And a lot of the time I had the answer. Uh, sometimes I made it up and that was immature of me. But, um, but yeah, it, it was a point in time where I felt like I knew everything. And so I didn't, um, didn't feel like I needed to be set on fire and, uh, and experience anymore, but also ended up looking down on other people for it because of that. And so I don't know if that really fits within immature zeal or not, but I I think so because St. Teresa of Avila really talked about that. And what she said was, is, is that, that is really prideful in a lot of ways. And, and when we think we are, what do you call it? The holier than thou, or we're on the right track, or we, we know what's right or what's wrong. And, and, and when we, when we get into that mindset that it really starts affecting us because it's really easy. And this is her words. She says that we be, we can become very judgmental in our life where we take really our eye and our vision off of ourself that critical eye when we should be examining our life, especially like our examination of conscience, you know, this is that, that's really kind of a, I don't know, um, kind of, kind of a standard for Catholics. Are we really looking at our own life every single day of our life with part of this immature zeal is when we get so prideful that we take our, our, our vision and our view off of ourselves in a critical way. And we start, uh, criticizing other people. So does that kind of fall in line with what you're saying? Maybe? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. John, I see your intent stare and I see beads of sweat starting to uh, accumulate those, on the forehead. No, those are tears <laughs> going upward. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you think about? Have you ever experienced anything related to pride, immature zeal? Me? Never. No. Okay. Moving no. on to detachment. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. I mean that that is, uh, I think, reflective of of just uh, you know, that example is is uh, you know just one of, of like maturity and age for one for sure. But we definitely do those sorts of things, uh, you know, at every age. Um, for me specifically, how that whenever you were talking about immature zeal. Um, I kind of recognized and intuited this myself over time, but it took me pretty much a whole year <laughs> to, f- to figure this out on my own. And then hearing that, hearing that term uh, that you had used in, in the uh, uh, presentation, immature zeal, um, I was like, that, that's exactly what I was experiencing. So in my uh, experience of coming into the church, um, you know, I've recognized all of the bad things that I've done in the past, all of the ways that I want to improve myself, uh, you know, as a father, as a, you know, in, at work, at, you know, as an example to others. So I, I'm acutely aware of where I fall short. So I've really, uh, you know, I, I continue to try to challenge myself in different ways of improving. And so definitely fall prey to the um, oh, I need to do this and this thing, and I'm going to pray this, and you know, from this time to this time, I'm going to do that, and so really falling for uh, piling too much of the good on myself and not allowing myself to mature into it. You know, not it, always trying to trying to uh, oh, uh, you know, instead of letting God um, change me. Or trying to improve me, uh, trying to you know fall into the old trap of doing it all myself. 
and, and not having that faith in Christ that, uh, you know, to take your hands away from it and let him guide you to it rather, you know, those sorts of things. I, I find myself running into that all the time. Yeah, because the saints said that when we get into that mode where we're doing it ourselves and we separate ourselves really from the grace of God and 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 not recognizing the grace of God in our lives, St. Francis was a great example of that, is he was very cognizant of when God and the Holy Spirit was speaking to him and, and really giving him prompts in his life. And what they say about St. Francis is, is he was very attuned to that. He could feel when God's grace was being presented to him. And I think some of us know when that happens as well, is you, you get those little, those little light bulbs go off or those little insights in your life, or you get that little tugging deep with inside of you and you don't know really where that is. Um, some people maybe will confuse it with their conscience they think their conscience is speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. That That's getting a little nudges from that. And where St. Francis really reacted to this was he was cognizant of that. And whatever he was doing in his life, when he had that little experience, that little nudge, that little sensation, that little feeling in his life, he stopped whatever he was doing and he reacted to that. And maybe a, a modern day example of this would be how many times have you been going through life you're busy at work or you're with your kids or you're doing something and you get that little nudge that you need to call your mom, you need to call your brother, you need to call that friend in life. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do you stop whatever you're doing and to react to that or do you push it aside and let it fade away and go on with your life? You know, I don't I don't push it aside. What I do is I say, okay, I want to get home. I'm going to make this huge And you plan. always do it. <laughs> I'm going to make this huge plan and like map it all out and have this certain time of day. I'll set a reminder on this. I'll have an appointment here and I'll do this. And I, I just stop and do it right now. You can say that prayer right now. It's true. It's true. And so that, that, that's a lesson from the, from the Holy Spirit. And did I go way off track on that? I have no idea. No, no. <laughs> Hey, so I want to add something, and and, and, I, and I don't want to talk too much, but I want to get your guys' feedback on it, because um, we were talking a little bit uh, ago in between, um, or, or before we started the session, and one of the things we were talking about is something that some of the saints shared with us, and it really has to do with navigating our spiritual journey. It has to do with, really, temptations in our life, and how do we deal with temptations and the traps related to that, and really... Um, I don't know if it was St. John of the Cross. I can't remember who. It was one of the doctors of the church. He talked about this downward spiral that we have in regarding to sin in our life. And he really pointed out five different steps with this. And he said the first thing that comes to us is temptation. After temptation, there's consent. After consent, there's action. After action is habit. And then after habit has formed, then there's contempt, meaning that we just disregard that it's a bad thing altogether. And so we stop judging ourselves for what that is. And once we have that habit, it's kind of like consistent with St. Augustine in his life, who had all these sexual habits. So one of the things they said was, you have to be attuned to those temptations in your life. And then with all of your force in your life, you have to try to not respond to that temptation because if you let it go to the second, third, fourth, fifth step, you're trapped. Do you guys have any thoughts at all about this downward spiral 
that these saints are talking about with temptation and then consent and then action and habit. What do you guys think about that? I actually think that can kind of tie into immature zeal a little bit. Just in ter- like So one of the things, I, I'm a coach, but I also teach wellness classes. Um, and one of the things we talk about is how willpower is a finite thing. You only have so much of it. Uh, so I guess if you're on fire and you're using up all your energy doing all these things, then it's going to be easy to have that moment present itself and justify consent in some way, shape, or form because you don't have the willpower anymore. You don't have um, the energy or the, the, the mental fortitude to kind of stand up to that moment. You know, it's kind of funny. So, so I've been a deacon, gosh, a little over a decade now. I've been working in mental health for, um, gosh, over three decades now. And there's something similar about those two fields. I think working in the mental health field and working in the spiritual field, people have, um, I don't know, kind of a tendency that there's some trust in there and they open your life, their lives up, and they speak honestly. And and I, I think that's kind of a valuable thing. But, but they do share with me sometimes the temptations that they have in their life. And that something that happens very common with men, and if there's any men out there, you might be able to identify this a little bit. We all have temptations in life. Those thoughts that pop into our heads, we have no control over what pops into our head. That's our subconscious that does a lot of that. But what do we do with those things that pop into our head? And even us that are trying to be good guys, good Catholic guys, good Christian guys, we still have that temptation that when it pops into our head, we're going to play with that thought a little bit instead of just dismissing that thought. And, And the saints talk about that is the most crucial time because if you start playing with that thought without just dismissing it right away or distracting yourself from it, that's where you're opening the window really for the devil to start working in your life. So do you guys have any thoughts about that at all, about the strength of temptations and our will and what we choose to do? It's like a weed. You know, I've got a little miniature farm, two acres and some cows and sheep and birds and stuff. And, you know, if you know anything about like having property, you know you have you have weed problems. You know you have, there's always problems with weeds, and there's this weed called the acacia, which is like the tumbleweed weed, and it, it, they can grow six feet tall or taller if left alone. And but they're they're super they're super easy to pull up when they're small, you know, and even when they're like three feet tall, they're still fairly easy to get out of the ground, even if it's dry. So, but it's, it's like, you know, it starts from your thoughts. It's easier to extract it when it's a thought. Like that weed is super easy to pull when it's like an inch off the ground. So take care of it then rather than letting it get over six feet tall. You know, one of the, one of the things that came to mind as you were talking, uh, Mike, about really um, those temptations in life and how we deal with those. Uh, one thought that came into my mind was um, how do we really prepare ourselves for these spiritual journeys and the things ahead of us in life? And, you know, one of the things from the talk that we shared about last week, and again, this comes from the, uh, the early fathers of the church, the doctors of the church, they talked a lot about detachment in life. And, you know, we live in this world that, um, 
there's so many worldly ways and worldly things in our life and in a lot of ways they might be in contrast or i think they are in contrast to a good catholic christian life what do you guys think are some of the things that we really need to think about detaching from in this culture and in our life Um, well, there's cricket, is, crickets, crickets. If there's something you, you you feel like you would have a hard time detaching from, that's probably then the it one. might be a good time to do that. Yep. <laughs> you know, al- alcoholics talk about that all the time. They, you know, people they're confronted all the time with saying, you know, you, you you drink too much, you drink every day, the, you know, you you can't stop. And they say, oh, I can stop anytime I want to stop. They can't though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so you brought up something. So. If we think that maybe we're attached to something, we should try to give it up and see what happens. And actually, right, yeah. and actually, if we fail, what does that tell us about ourselves? We're too attached to it. You know, I, I, even when I was Protestant, I used to give up, and my, my church tradition did not celebrate Lent, but a, a Catholic coworker of mine who was not living a Christian life at all, he would fast from red meat for Lent. And I'm like, I'm gonna show this guy, <laughs> do this too, you know? So. I decided to fast from coffee, and that's that was back in oh, was that oh, 2000, 2003, I think. And so every year, I fasted from coffee for Lent for six months. Went cold turkey, no coffee, or six. I'm sorry, the six weeks, not six months. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> six months, six, three times a year. So, yeah. <laughs> so say that six weeks, and this last year for Lent, I didn't fast from coffee. And I'm, I'm still kicking myself for not doing that. I, I did it for so long. Mm-hmm. Hey, so I have a question for you guys, and I'm going to direct this to John and Nick because um, I'm trying to stoke the fire a little bit with these guys. <laughs> hey, think of, think of two things that you think that are the most difficult things for guys, maybe young fathers, to maybe would struggle with that... Um, that you really think that they might benefit from detaching from in in our current culture and in our life and why do you think that would be important so whichever one of you guys that has one thing that maybe popped into their mind at first if you could share what do you what do you think we should be focusing on detaching from in our life well, i've been noticing recently uh how much attention i give to my cell phone and uh how much yeah. attention my kids want from me when i'm giving attention to my cell phone and it kind of amplifies like what my kids want of me amplifies noticeably when I have my cell phone um, and so contemplating on that makes you feel pretty guilty about what you're doing because usually I'm just checking on my favorite football team or something that doesn't really mean anything even in that moment or or in, in life in general for that matter um, but yeah that's definitely something I've noticed and, and I felt guilt for recently and I've been trying to put that aside a little more often and just have have my phone at times that are appropriate for it and uh, put it away when it's not and spend some more quality time with my kids because that's I think it's easy um, especially at, at my age and, and, and in my profession uh, recruiting after hours and things like that where I feel like I need to be close to my phone for my job and things like that when I really don't need to be I can find other ways to do it and probably more effective ways to do it um, and, and so it's been kind of a struggle, but that's something I'm hoping to do is put that phone away and spend some more time with my kids. That's a yeah. great idea. To flip that around the other way, too, is when, uh, so my, my kids are uh, 11 and 13, 
And so now they have phones. <laughs> and so now I'm dealing with, but you know, it's just the, that was a the mistake. Age. <laughs> well, it's just the age that it is and it isn't. You know, it, it's the age that they live in. They're in the age of technology, and so um, you know, my view is that, that they need to become fluent in that, right? But then we also need to be able to learn perspective on things. So uh, you know, it's the same thing too. I find myself where I you know get engaged into the cell phone too much, or you know, mm-hmm. or I'll notice my wife does it, or you know, the kids do it a lot. And so trying to get them out of that. So that's um, you're trying to use that as a teaching moment and, and bring that, that clarity to my kids is a, is a challenge. Um, I think I've been, I've really recognized kind of the um, addictive tendencies with, with technology lately too. Yeah. Just having, a, you know, I didn't used to think I was that way. I thought I was a, a normal user of technology and, um, but I've been finding more and more, you have those little moments where your mind drifts off to something. The next thing I know, I'm, I'm just got my phone in my face, not paying attention to anything going on around me. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how I got there. And that's totally addictive behavior. I feel like it's just uh, right up that alley anyway. Yeah. It turns into a habit, I think for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm curious for you guys, all of you, I, I have a question for you. Um, when, years and years ago when I was being taught about homiletics and how to preach, um, there's different views on this, but one of the, one of the, thing, one of the um, concepts that was shared to me is every homily should have three components to it. Um, you should teach something in your homily. You should be able to inspire people with your homily, and you should always leave them with a challenge in your homily. So one of the thoughts I have for you guys is, is what is it in your life or who? Or who is it in your life that inspires you? Inspires you to be a better person, a better Catholic, or whatever it might be. Do you, do you have a person in your life that is inspirational, and, and why? Does anything come to mind, you guys? Saint or <clears throat> could be anybody. Or, or just it could anyone. Anybody okay. in your life. We're all called to be saints, so we're, we're <laughs> close. You know what I mean. <laughs> But, and I know, I know we, we did not talk about this, we didn't prepare about this, but just kind of off the cuff, is there somebody in your life um, yeah, that, that inspires you and why? I mean, for men, we really identify with people. And it could be a saint, it could be, it could be anybody, but who do we turn to for inspiration or who has inspired us to really see beyond who we really think we are and maybe who we could be? Does any, anything come to mind, you guys? For me, definitely um, uh, somebody that comes leaping to my mind is Bishop Barron. Uh, he's been absolutely inspirational uh, in my journey into the church, bringing such clarity. I, I, you know, I aspire to be him, but I'm nowhere near the intellect that he is. I mean, it's just this, the stuff that he, he speaks about and... and uh, you know, brings out in conversation is just amazing. And luckily I'm able to follow, (laughs) but I'm, you know, he gets in some really heavy duty stuff, but I I just, I just recognize the beauty and the clarity that he's, he's bringing and speaking to, and has been just an absolute source of inspiration to me. Um, That's wonderful. Anything come to mind? No pressure. Well, yeah, for me, it's generally people who have, and I don't know if I coined this term or if I, I'm plagiarizing this, but people who have dug the well deep, meaning 
you know, like me, when I want to give a talk, like for adult ministry, I'll study for a month ahead of time or, you know, kind of progressively work my way up to that talk. And like, but like, the people who have just done a lifetime of that day in and day out, and you can tell by the depth of their knowledge, people like mm-hmm. like Bishop Barron, you know, one one of the and people who have the parable of the 10 talents, or the, 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 they're all, all the servants are giving talents, mm-hmm. and some are given more, or the three, one are given like five, 10 and one, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they invested their talents. They took their talents and they made the most out of them. People like that, and Bishop Barron comes to mind, the person that I'm really into lately is a guy named Dr. Taylor Marshall. And he's just taken the time to invest himself in, and he's at a point now where he's just, he's done so many, he's, he's accomplished so many things because he hasn't wasted, I'm sure he's wasted some time, but for the most part, you know, he hasn't wasted his life. And um, he's, he's done the will of God, so, I, I just those those are the kind of people that inspire me. For me, it's actually my siblings. So uh, I don't have a saint or a bishop that I. I mean, I, I do look to them obviously for for inspiration. But I find a lot of inspiration in my siblings. Uh, just the daily challenges that they that they have. They all have unique challenges that they've faced. And um, my older brother actually passed away from a heart attack at age twenty seven. But um, he was an amazing person in the, in the life that he did live, and uh, I always admired the strength of faith that he had. So, uh, I guess I kind of have a more uh, down to earth answer than you guys. But. <laughs> no, I think that's great, and I, and I actually think that uh, you know God places people in our lives, and He does it for certain reasons. I think a lot of times that we have our eyes closed to how God is working in our life, and you know I was taught that. God either wills things to happen in our life or he allows them to happen. And that has to do with just incidents in our life, things that happen in our life, but also the encounters that we have in our life. And maybe this week we could spend a little bit of time and just really think about how God's working in our life and who he's putting in our life and to be able to see how he's trying to allow us to grow. Well, that's it for the night, you guys. I'd like to thank you for listening. And um, in a very special way, the crew here at Idaho Catholic Podcast, we wish you the best. Good night. Amen.